coaches, what's going on? Uh, we'll be releasing our newest episode of Talking Ball uh, from the dojo this month. So you guys be on the lookout for that. Uh, all of our RTP Premium members know about that. If you're not a member, uh, you can be an RTP Premium member on our website, runthepower.com. Uh, it's $10 a month if you get the yearly subscription. Uh, and it's seven different shows that we have out there that we upload. We update monthly. Um, Talking Ball and RTP Install are our two biggest ones. Um, we bring guys over to the dojo or we uh, get on and, and watch games and, and talk through you know college football games or college cut-ups, whatever they are. Um, and all of that's available all over at our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our, free show, uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations, so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with T. Overman. Coach Overman is the D.C. safeties coach at the University of Dayton in Dayton, Ohio. Listen as we talk with Coach Overman about all things defense at the University of Dayton. You guys can follow Coach Overman on Twitter at Coach underscore T-O. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, 
Yeah, so uh, my name's T. Overman, the defensive coordinator at uh, the University of Dayton. Kind of a little bit about my background. I'm originally from North Carolina. I uh, lived there for the first 30 years of my life. I uh, kind of grew up between, uh, you know, Greensboro and Durham, kind of in the middle of there, small town. Um, I played college football at uh, Wingate University, so Division II school, about a half hour east of Charlotte. And then when I got done playing, you know, I wanted to – I thought I wanted to get into coaching because I could stay around the game. So I was I asked our head coach uh, down at Wingate, Joe Reich, if I could be a graduate assistant. And he told me if I got accepted into graduate school that I could. So I uh, weaseled my way into graduate school and uh, I GA'd there at Wingate for about a, I guess on paper it was probably a year and a half, but uh, really the second season I became the linebackers coach during the season. We had uh, some unfortunate events for some people, but for me, I kind of came out on the, on the bright side of it. Uh, uh, yeah. little, staff, little staff diffusion there. But um, then after the season's over, I fully got promoted. And I coached at Wingate. So from 2007 to 2015, I was the linebackers coach um, every year that I was full-time there. And then I, I actually went to – came to the University of Dayton in March of 2016 to coach the linebackers. And then March of 2017, I took a job at Washington State as a uh, quality control. And I had a buddy of mine, a real good friend of mine, that was the special teams coordinator there at the time. And uh, that was kind of my, my foot in the door there. And uh, from, from, I was there for two seasons. And then this past, or I guess now a year ago, uh, March of 2019, I came back to Dayton as the defensive coordinator. And here we are. So. Um, you know, just some of the, some of the stops were, you know, it was, it was the only reason I really left Wingate was because I felt like I needed to, to kind of spread my wings a little bit. Uh, it was a great place, great people. Uh, but I wanted to kind of just explore some other avenues. And um, then that led me to Dayton and then Dayton, you know, just crazy things happen. Uh, you get a call and you go and then you, who would have thought I'd be back. So. That's uh, that's crazy. I didn't know you were at Washington State. I actually had um, I knew three guys on staff. I think there uh, with with Coach Odom, uh, who ended up going to Oklahoma. I don't know if he was there two or three years ago or not. Uh, and then we had uh, had a guy who played with Shane Ross, who I think was a GA there. Um, yeah. And Drew, I don't remember what Drew's last name was, but he would have been with the quarterbacks. I think he yeah. was either GA. Yeah, or Shane. Yeah, Shane and Drew were both there while I was there. Um, uh, Odom, I, he had just, I think he had just left to go to Missouri maybe a couple months before I got there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of a, a small world. Uh, I get to play with both of those guys. Um, so I think now everyone's seeing that, that Washington state defense now here in Oklahoma, because obviously it, it came over, uh, I believe from that area is from Grinch and, and now it's, you know, in Oklahoma and I think we're seeing it a bunch, I would assume, here in the next few years down at the high school level, uh, kind of mm -hmm. how that always goes. Uh, is that the – did you take that as you went back uh, to become a defensive coordinator? Do you have a, a similar thought process with that, or did you uh, develop I, in a different direction? So when I, when I was coaching at Wingate, uh, the, he's at, he actually was my defensive coordinator when I played. Uh, he's still there, Rashawn Jordan. He is – you want to talk about a football junkie, like somebody that you can like, – he, he has an immense amount of knowledge. So I, I grew – I'm using the term – I grew up in a four-down, like a four-three, four-two-five look uh, with him. 
And then we run, we ran something similar at Dayton in 2016. So ironically enough, though, when I went to Washington State the first year, I was really just on special teams because my buddy's the one that got me the job. So I was mm-hmm. strictly on special teams, and that was Grinch's last year there. But, you know, obviously you get to see some things and all that. But then the following year when Coach Clays got there, um, I moved over to defense, which is where I wanted to be. And he, he kept – a lot of the same uh, terminology and things. I mean, he, he obviously put his tweaks on some, on some stuff, but we, we did a lot of the same uh, movements and, and front stems and different things like that, that they had done the year prior with, with uh, Grinch. And, you know, some of that stuff I, I think is, is great. And I think you, it's a wholesale deal to a degree where like our head coach here, uh, Rick Chamberlain, he's been here for 40 some odd years. He was an all American linebacker here and, you know, he has certain things that he sees and like certain ways that he wants. And, you know, so I haven't implemented all of that stuff, but there is some things and some verbiage that we used my last year there that I have carried over. Um, but we, we haven't, you know, if I was starting from scratch, I know I'm kind of bouncing around. If I was starting from scratch, I would do a lot of that stuff. And I think some of it is the personnel you have, like what, what's your, what's your DNA of your D line? Um, you know, what type of, you know, linebackers do you have and, and just like bodies, you know, different personnel and things like that, because I think some of that will always play a factor in, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter to me if you're at high school, you know, FCS, FBS, whatever, like the, you know, the Jimmies and Joes are going to a little bit, they should dictate what you're actually going to run and how you're going to run it. So, you know, long answer to an easy question. I've used some of that stuff, but it hasn't been a wholesale, like we're replicating exactly what we did there. Coach, when you guys kind of start off then, you know, and, and talking about an install, is that something where, you know, you're going to install an even front one day and you know you're going to have odd principles, you're going to install that another day? Can you kind of walk us through just a little bit? And obviously you don't have to, you know, give us every single call, but, you know, kind of what your philosophy is on days of defensive installation. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. So for us, the way we have a um, – so we have a just a, your traditional over front, right? You know, over, under, whatever. And we actually have it built where those two things have their own set of rules. So the way we do it is we'll, we'll put those as everything's in kind of like a family. So the over and the under look and the movements we can do out of that and the coverages we'll play out of that, that kind of goes in uh, as like a day one install, let's say. <clears throat> and then day two would be, you know, another set of, family of fronts and coverages that, that kind of match up. So then we go to our, we, we refer to them as our back base front. So where we're setting our, either our, um, our two eye or our one technique or our three technique to the back. So our back base fronts and then the coverages and the movements and the stunts that we do with those, that would be kind of the, the next phase of install. And then, the, and, and all this is going to be some sort of so far mainly quarters base. Cause that's what we base out of. And then after that, then we start going into our, our, sec, our secondary call. So whether it's cover three and the variations of cover three that we'll do or uh, our cover one stuff. So we try to package things together so it makes sense for the, for the guys. So to give you a good illustration, so day one, if we're putting in our over quarters, our linebackers and our nickel, they're going to adjust to motion by just kind of bumping with the motion, right? Just to kind of the motion goes, okay, we're going to bump and slide over. Whereas, all right, if they too are putting in our back base stuff, well, now they're running with motion. So we try to 
compartmentalize those things for the players so they know, hey, when we get this call, hey, we're bumping. All right, we get this call, now we're running. So that it's not both on the same day right away and then they're just running all sorts of crazy and they don't know when, when to do one and when to do the other one. So that's kind of how we set it up and then we begin to phase into uh, our blitz packages. And the way we do that is very similar as well in terms of progression, we'll go, you know, single edge pressures first off of each side. So it could be a, a nickel blitz or a weak safety blitz. Um, and we'll play, you know, quarters or cover three based on the formation. And then we'll roll that into our fire zone stuff. So, and then it goes into your zero man pressures and then any other auxiliary stuff we want to do, like our bare front or, uh, you know, our, our odd fronts that we're going to use at different times. So that's kind of how, we progress through our install and, and really it's it's about like I said just making sure the players are are comfortable in terms of their mental game like we want them when we start going in against our offense in camp to be able to line up and let's see how good they can play you know we don't want to waste time with guys not being able to get lined up and then they're all confused and then you can't really tell how good of a player they are or they aren't because they're not even in the remotely correct position. So I think part of the way I install here is based on how we practice and it could be different if I was somewhere else, but given the, the schedule we have, that's kind of how we have it set up. How many days does it take you guys? You, you feel like to get in, I mean, and again, I know you're going to tweak and, and have a different pressure here and there that a guy brings, but you know, say 95% of your defense, how long does that take generally to install, be it the spring or fall camp? Um, in the spring, I think we probably spread it out a little bit more, but I'd say fall camp within, I would say probably eight practices, everything's in. Um, and then that way, you know, you're going to have your, your review days and then, you know, you're just kind of, you know, scrimmage days and things like that. So you kind of got it all in and, and, and ready to roll, but you know, I don't want to, there's two, I, I think there's, there's a couple different philosophies on, on install is like throw a lot at them at once and then let them work through it or spread it out a little bit or go really slow. And I, I would say I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, so I, I think about eight days is, is where we begin to kind of rinse and repeat. And then coach too, you know, you'd said you guys play, you know, different variations, obviously, you know, you play a, a bunch of ways that you play quarters, you know, and then there's a, a bunch of ways that you're going to play, you know, cover three. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think, you know, we, we get a lot of offensive guys and offensive coordinators you know, I, I think a lot of them don't understand that there's different ways to play cover three. You know, am I going to carry two? You know, am I going to play it as a true zone? Where, where's the insert coming? You know, how many different variations do you guys do? And, and maybe just kind of talk about, you know, why you do some of those different variations. Because like I said, I, I think a lot of guys kind of lump it into, yeah, they play cover three. Well, there's a lot of nuances to the ways that, you know, teams play quarters and play cover three. Yeah, no doubt. With the cover three, you know, for us, I think, first of all, it's going to start with, uh, you know, is it a one-back set or two-back set? Because those, those are going to look uh, quite different for us, like, just on paper. So if it's a two-back set, we're going to look like a 4-4 four, four cover three, right? Like your traditional look post-snap. We try to hide the shell as much as possible and try to stay in our two high and then snap down late uh, to the single high look. So that, that's, that's one variation there. And, and for us, it's really going to be – typically the ball's on the hash. It'll be the boundary safety just by rules of how we set it up. Uh, if it's in the middle of the field, it'll be opposite the nickel. But that's one way. So then when we go to one back, 
you know, if it's two by two, I think the interesting thing we do is we're kind of in between, um, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard some people talk about the Ripley's match and all that stuff and that yep. kind of a version of three. We, we do something similar. I'm not going to call it that because I know it's not. Um, but we, so versus two by two looks or one back, we're going to traditionally, like we're going to run our overhang players with those number twos on the verticals because what it does for us is it, you know, alleviates the, the threat of four verticals. Because if we get it, then we, we have more than enough people to guard the four verts. Because I think a lot of times people are like, well, I don't want to run cover three versus four verts, where for us, I don't care. Like, that's, that's fine. Because we've got, you know, a, a corner in each outside third. Uh, we got our two overhang guys running with number two, and then we got a, a safety in the middle of the field. So we're good. And then when it goes three by one, we can play your traditional cloud coverage uh, with your strong corner to the trip side clouded up playing a hard corner out there we can uh, buzz our safety down over th over three to hang hold three and work to two uh, after after uh, the the three-step five-step clears uh, we can actually roll the safety weak at three by one and kind of give up the field flat and then we could also excuse me we could also roll the safety down on two to the trips if we wanted to so we have the capability to do all those things. And, and really for us, like for me calling and for the players, it's really just a tag. So I can just pay three and then give them a tag and it's going to tell them what we want. If I don't say anything, there's base rules built in. Or if I just call three, they know in that cover three, we have a two by two play it. Okay, here's how we're going to play it. And then three by one check is auto built in unless I gave them something else. So for us, it, it kind of being a mainly a quarters team when we do play three we've had some success with it um and i think partially you know because we can spin it different ways and for instance i know everybody's hot and bothered about the rpo stuff and you know we we saw a couple teams that wanted to try to throw that uh backside uh, glance i think you know a lot of offensive guys call it a backside post the number one out of three by one well certain formations we can just check hey we're going to roll the safety uh weak on the backside to take away that post and when I say roll him, like he ain't rolling down to linebacker depth. Like he's literally, we can play him and sit him in that hole for that particular play, you know, given the, the breakdown and the tendency and the kind of the feel of the game. But I think there's different ways in there to kind of protect yourself against certain plays and, and not have to only play, okay, we're a quarters team. That's all we're going to do. Like, yeah, we're going to do a heck of a lot of it, but I want to have some answers and some things to kind of throw them off the scent trail um, you know, just so that they don't have a exact beat on every single thing we're doing. Coach, I'm kind of curious, um, you, you know, and, and getting a, a little bit away from coverage because um, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know anything about coverages. I, I just learned, <laughs> I, I've actually dove into it a little bit uh, this, you know, these few months of a break that we've had. So uh, I, I know very, very little, but uh, what was interesting to me was, you know, you talk about being able to go from that even look, that four down front to a to a three down front. Um, at, at least at the high school level, I've seen teams basically do that two ways. They they put it in their defense where that one defensive end is is a little bit smaller, skilled guy that they can roll out. And then we've also ha seen defenses that completely take the defensive end out, bring in another outside linebacker type body. Uh, what what's your thought process when you guys are doing that are you trying to find that really athletic end that can do you know two things or are you just wanting to bring in another guy that would be ideal um 
because I think one thing, if you, if you look at the other side is if you start making personnel changes at times, like if the offense, let's say they're 11 personnel team and they're staying in 11 and you start making personnel changes, like, Hey, this particular guy that only does this thing for another guy, then I think you're kind of tipping your hand. So ideally you'd like to have that guy that can put his hand in the ground, line up in a five technique and, and come off the edge and, you know, be the C-gap player, but then he could also stand up and drop out to the flat or under number one into the short side of the field. That's the guy that I think that will add the most value for you because then you're constantly you, – you have the threat of he, he could do either or, you know. So then the O-line, in my opinion, they got to spend time like, okay, was this guy standing up? Like, let's say – because Washington State, we stood that guy up quite – like he was, he was standing up way more than he ever had his hand in the ground. Well, now – is he coming? Is he not coming? You know, is there, are you giving him tips uh, off his, off his alignment, his stance or whatever that they're going to have to search for to, to determine that is, and then you can get him involved in the, the twist games and the movements and the stunts and all that stuff. So I think that guy adds an element that it's hard, harder to prepare for as opposed to just subbing a guy out. Now, if you don't have that guy, then that's what you got to do. I still think there's value in that, but ideally you'd want the guy that could just, you know, seamlessly and fluidly do one or the other at any given time. So, so with that, does he have to have, and these might be dumb questions, I apologize, coach, but with that, does he have to have like a certain coach that only coaches that type of a defensive end, or is he going to go with his D-line, DN's coach, and then, you know, when you do need to have him work some different things in coverage, now he goes to your outside linebackers coaches. How do you work that with that single kid or that single position? Well, again, just going back to the days at Washington State, there was a, like essentially a coach for that guy because it, it, he's doing so many different things. He doesn't really – he's like a man with no home. You know what I mean? Like he's a little bit of this, he's a little bit of that. But, you know, then it, you're wasting more practice time running from this over here to do this drill and then go with this group to do that mm -hmm. drill. So I think if you got the staff size and things, based on what you're doing with them, I think – you know, it would be ideal to have kind of a, his own his own guy. But, you know, for us with the here, the the limited amount that we're currently doing that stuff, it's just a phase in, you know what I mean? Like he's going to work at the D-line. And then if there's things that, you know, he needs to do coverage-wise, we'll just get him over in our, our skelly and kind of coach him up on the run and on film. Um, you know, we don't have the whatever. I feel like some staffs have 40 people. I don't know. Aren't technically like legal on-field coaches, but you know, there, there's ways around everything. So we, we, we just kind of leave it alone. But I, I do think it, again, just going, if, if you had carte blanche to do whatever you want, however you want, I think if that guy has his own coach, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it also depends on how much you're actually using it. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and then, so then my other question is, and again, this is just from the limited I know about, you know, defenses and, and, Four two five is is that nickel guy or that extra whatever linebacker or safety whatever you know people call him um, yeah. is is that a guy as well coaching wise are you guys putting him with secondary or putting him with linebacker or is that again a guy that you would like to have his own coach to kind of because he's got to be in the run fits at times he's got to yeah. be back and, and be able to play I would assume match at different times different mm -hmm. things so what are you what are you doing with that guy so we actually that's that's the one spot we we do have a kind of an extra body for so we have 
just to kind of paint you a nice picture here. So on, on defense, like full-time in the office, like position coaches, I, I, I'm the defensive coordinator, I coach the secondary, and then our head coach coaches the linebackers, and then we have a D-line coach. And then we have a – and it probably used to call it restricted earnings. I think now we label it as an intern, but the guy gets paid. So he actually coaches the nickel. So he – the nickel for us does have his own coach because he's the one that has probably the most different rules and stuff with alignments and coverages and window line here versus window line here. So we do utilize a spot for – for that position because it's, it's a pretty important position for us. For us, the more dynamic that nickel is, the better off we're going to be in terms of things we can do coverage wise, because if, if that guy is more like a linebacker than a DB, well then obviously you're a little handcuffed. Well, if he's more like a DB than a linebacker, that's great for coverages, but now the run game could get a little spotty. So, you know, the fact that we have a guy solely dedicated to him, I think is is really good, and uh, those those guys obviously get a lot of attention. So there's only, you know, we think there's only three of them on the roster in the spring. So not that we got to do spring practice, but they they get a lot of uh, undivided attention. Coach, so say you got blank check. You know, the head coach hires you. Hey, you're the defensive coordinator. He's going to let you, you know, kind of choose your staff, put guys where you'd want to, and you know, and kind of set your your own expectation or your own position you know would you want to be a walk around guy and you know how would you break it up if it was a perfect world like I said you have a blank check and you can hire as many guys as you want how would you kind of set up your defense um well first thing that sticks out I would not want to be a walk around guy I feel like practice is the thing that that I enjoy the most and me watching other people do it would not be fun. <laughs> I agree. So I would not want to do that. Now I know some guys like it and they, they can kind of watch and get a feel for things. And that's great. But like for me personally, like I, I would never want to do that. Um, but as far as, yeah, it is a, is a blank check and, and what to do. I think part of it is going to be like, I'm, I'm always going to refer to a lot of uh, four down looks now. However, it within that, I do want the ability to go back and forth between four and three down and, you know, just to, just to create some confusion for the offense. So, you know, I, I think, it, I think one thing is important is in the secondary, I think you need a safeties coach and a corners coach. Cause that's just mm -hmm. like anything else. Like the, you guys are asking about the, the DN that kind of does a little bit of both or outside linebacker DN type guy those two positions at times couldn't be more different corner and safety. So I think you need somebody with the safety, somebody with the corners. I think your nickel uh, or your Rover, whatever people call them, that guy possibly could either go with the, the, the safeties, um, how you're doing it. Um, then you, you have an inside linebacker coach, uh, a D line coach. And then the other, I think after that, it's kind of like, well, who, how many do I get on defense? Because if, if I, if I only get, um, you know, f five, including myself, well, what's the most important? Do I, do I have somebody solely dedicated to your, your hybrid, your nickel rover guy, or do you have somebody dedicated to that overhang, like DN, outside linebacker type guy? So I really think that piece depends on how many people you have. But I, I think the, the, to me now being uh, in the secondary, I, I would say that having two, two guys in the secondary is huge because I know some people don't have the luxury to do that. And I mean, even here we have, uh, we have some part-time guys that, uh, you know, coach high school have coached a lot of high school football and they do a freaking fantastic job for us. 
and one of them helps me with the corners because again there's drills that I need to do with the safeties that I'd be wasting the corners time so it's like okay he played corner in college let him go over there with those guys let me focus on these two cats and then we you know we can get things rolling so I, I know I'm not I, I feel kind of I don't know, mixed because I'm not answering your question, but I'm, I'm trying to, you know, that these are the things that go through my head. Like I, me and one of my buddies talked about this all the time. It's like, all right, if you, if you could hire a defensive staff, who, who would you hire? What would you have them do? And some of it does depend on, well, how many people do we have? Like, do I get five? Do I get six? You know, do I get four? You know, those things are going to have a direct impact on what people are going to be doing or have to do. I say take as many as you want, coach. <laughs> I've never I've never heard a uh, offensive coach say that so well, I I love I mean I love you know when you talk about the secondary breaking it up and I know you know coach Harper and myself we're firm believers in you know two offensive line coaches mo most definitely because you have so many bodies you know the secondary you have that many bodies and and honestly you I mean you saw it at, at Washington State I mean they're they're splitting up the receivers because that's what they do and having two coaches that way. And, and that's how we do it now at, at Ankeny where I'm at. And, and I just feel like having another guy there to, to split things up and, and the more coaches you have to, to see those guys, I mean, not only is it going to be better for you game day, but when you look at it from a program standpoint, you develop guys year in and year out. You have that depth. You have guys that you just kind of plug and play rather than kind of having to put the fingers in the dike in every single spot and having to coach, you know, 26 guys all by yourself no doubt we and we we've talked to some of me and my some of my buddies have talked about this before if you think about a, a basketball team normally they have let's say what four full-time assistant coaches for a squad of 15 where you're talking about a football team right having, you know 105 110 and you got you know 10 coaches maybe four GAs again this is talking bigger level so you got 14 people for 105 110 those numbers are completely skewed towards the smaller squad sizes, you know what I mean? So I think to, to further your point of having certain positions split because of the amount of people there is, is huge, you know what I mean? Yeah, there was no way – when you're coaching offensive line, to me there was no way to at least coach it really, really well. You know, there was no way to do that all by yourself. And I, and I would imagine you'd feel the same way, man. When it's in the secondary and, – and, again, you're probably having to keep an eye on the nickel too – it's like, man, it's hard to coach five dudes. You got to have bodies around there that they're just zoomed in on that one thing and you can get it fixed much, much quicker. No doubt. And I, I think from a coordinator's perspective, you know, I, I coach linebackers more than anything in my career, but um, I found myself really enjoying coaching the safeties because it's still – it's kind of like baseball. Like if you're good up the middle on defense, like you're going to be pretty good. I know people say corners are important and they are, don't get me wrong. But as a core, if you're good up the middle, you're going to be good. So coaching the safeties and watch, trying to watch the overall scheme, like normally I'm kind of looking down the middle so I can see misfits by the backers because that's going to affect the safeties or, you know, uh, uh, the, D, the D line messes up. Well, then this guy's got to replace him and now the safety's got to fix that. So I think from a, a coordinator perspective, kind of, seeing that vision I really enjoy um, as well as the, just kind of the, the lonely Island back there too, a little bit with those DBs, you know, you got to kind of get those guys to have a different mindset because they're, they could get exposed every play. So I think those two things together kind of keep me on my toes and, and, and I enjoy having that, that viewpoint from back there now um, more than I thought I would. Well, coach talking about the, the offensive coaches, um, 
it, at, our, at our level, uh, it seems like, you know, with the skill position, for us, it, it can be really difficult at times, to, you know, deciding, hey, is this kid a receiver? Is he a tailback? Or is he a, a corner safety? And, and a lot of times, obviously, if he's good enough, he's going to play both at the high school level. Um, and then you bump up to college, obviously, you don't hardly ever see that playing both ways. So how do you guys, or, or maybe either how do you guys, you know, make that decision? How often do you guys make a switch, you know, through an athlete's career? How do you guys go about that as a staff or, or maybe even you as a defensive coordinator deciding, hey, is this guy more of a defensive fit or, or is he more of an offensive fit once we've got these skilled guys on campus? I think some of it, just, you know, gun to my head, quick answer. Some of it, I think, is 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 the mentality. You know what I mean? Like, for me, and I've, I've thought this for years, like, if a kid doesn't want to play defense, then he should not play defense because – you know, I, I'm not trying to disrespect any offensive guy, but when kids don't want to do something, especially on the defensive side, where you're the one that is supposed to deliver blows and, and try to get off blocks and, you know, you're just constantly battling against something, that, like they're not going to be very successful in my opinion. So I think that's number one. Um, I think, you know, we always look at it from a perspective of we would like our defensive kids to have a little bit more of an edge now at the same time like you want to say yes you want your offensive guys to have an edge too like I totally get that but being selfish looking at it from one lens only that that's kind of step number one if the kid doesn't want to play defense then I don't want anything to do with them um, so that that will eliminate some guys right away uh, I think the other piece is a lot of times is 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 going to be once they get on campus and they start moving around and you kind of see them and then like numbers wise like which position, okay, he's a receiver. We've got, you know, 12 receivers, but this kid can do something. Like, let's throw him over here. Like, I've seen those kinds of things. And I think at the end of the day, for those skilled kids, receivers and DBs, the biggest thing is going to be speed. If they got speed, they can do something, you know what I mean? Whether right. it's side or defensive side. Now, it's your job as a coach to kind of coach them up on technique and things like that. And, yeah, they're going to have some deficiencies, whether it's, hey, he's a little tight in the hips. Well, yeah, he's never backpedaled before. It's probably going to, it's probably going to happen. So, um, you know, I think those are different things we look at. And quite honestly, like, if a, if a kid expresses interest, I don't think that's an automatic move to the other side. Like, it's like, oh, coach, you know, I'd really, I really feel more comfortable at running back. Um, and you need him somewhere, well, then, hey, man, you just got to fight through it and, you know, figure it out. You know, we had a guy this year, uh, he was a freshman, really good-sized kid, uh, good-looking kid, good athlete. He came in as an O-lineman. Well, he wanted to move the D-line, which for me, I was like, yes, because this kid could run. He was built well. He was angry. He was, you know, used his hands well. But they needed him on offense because we knew we were losing a lot this coming after this past fall. And – you know, it was a constant battle to kind of kind of keep him happy over there. But now, now the kid after the off season, I mean, he's put on weight. He's he's still quick. He's still like, and he he's all in. So I think there's you get all varieties of you know suggestions and movements, and then some kids want to move, and you really don't carry the way because maybe he's not going to be a factor, or if he is, then it's just an added bonus if he moves over and he's a factor there because he's not really a factor on defense or vice versa. So. I think a lot of there's a lot of different scenarios that that can happen, but um, it, and I think some of it too. Again, it goes back to mentality. Like we we're going to move one of our our corners to safety um, just because he he's older, he's played, he's smart. We trust him. You know, he he's he's a coach's dream, and I I feel like I can put my head down at night knowing that 
if we put him in there tomorrow, like he's going to be fine. So it, it's, it's, it's tough for me to sit here and say all the different reasons and, and, and things like that. And I think it's kind of a, to a degree, it's a little bit of a case by case basis. And uh, I think, like I said, going back to my original point is the mentality of the kid, I think is going to be is, is factor number one. Coach, you talk, you know, in the secondary, you know, moving, moving guys was your, your last point there about, you know, moving a guy from corner to safety. I, I know I've, I've talked to a, a few secondary guys, and, and those are guys that they kind of look to recruit, you know, guys that are pretty, you know, versatile. Can they cover dudes? Can they, you know, play center field? Can they play down in the box? Is that something that you guys kind of do, you know, maybe cross-train guys a little bit so you can kind of build depth and maybe see, oh, yeah, maybe this guy could play here, you know, or maybe he could grow into a nickel. You know, is that stuff that you guys kind of experiment with in the in the spring and then maybe even into the fall playing oh, yeah. dudes at different spots? Yeah, no question. And I think one thing in recruiting wise is is like for me especially is I, I if a kid plays safety and he can move around pretty well, I, I'll I'll be more willing to take that guy than a really polished smaller safety because the thought of okay, if this kid can get like if he gets any better and he stays at safety, like he's gonna, he can cover so much ground and he can do this and he can do that. Or if he can't, he can play nickel. Like there'd be no question. So for us, that's kind of how we look at those two. Like, do we have a safety that can come in? Maybe he does some things you're a little unsure about. And you know, some high school guys they don't put enough, in my opinion, uh, enough uh, coverage clips at safety and linebacker. So sometimes that piece is hard to to really get off of them. Unless you watch the whole game, obviously. So um, that that's that's an easy one for us is looking at like, all right, safety. If you can't play safety, we'll just move them down to nickel and then you know get another safety. Is you know kind of keep rolling that thing through. Where you know corner, I think, is a little different at times based on the kid's size because you know every everybody wants a you know a six foot corner. Well, everybody is not going to get a six foot corner. So is the corner you have five nine? Well, does that fit into something you can do? One of the best football players I've been around was a kid I recruited at Wingate and I'm not kidding you he may have been five seven but he would light you up like he was one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen like he just had the innate ability to just lay the hammer on people but he could also run and cover so like he was a he was our our, our rover there our nickel and so I think there's there's certain spots where you can manufacture these guys in the certain positions, but like for that kid, it wasn't like he could go in and play linebacker or go down and play D line. So it was either he's going to play safety or he's going to play, he's going to play your nickel, your Rover kind of deal. So I think for us, we do look at that. And even on the D line, like, all right, here's a DN. Can he grow into a tackle? You know what I mean? A tackle. Well, the only thing he's going to grow into is an offensive lineman. So I think those are things we try to think about and the projections are never uh, completely accurate but it is something to kind of keep in mind with, with the numbers you have and the, and the people and, um, and, and then going to cross training, like, yeah, there, if a guy I think has the playbook down and he is very aware and, and very call conscience, then I think you can do that. But like, for me, I don't want to, again, this is personal opinion. I don't want to put a guy in a situation where like he hasn't totally gotten it at, you know, safety yet. Like, hey, let's, let's cross train this kid to play nickel. Cause then I think his head's going to blow off. So I, you know, I don't want to do that to him because I feel like it's not fair. Um, so if we're going to do it like here at Dayton, like we'll just make it like, hey, you're moving. You know what I mean? Like that way the, the kid's mind's right. Like, hey, this is what you're doing, you know, to sell out in this position. 
and get yourself ready to play. And two, I don't think, you know, a lot of places I've been, we haven't moved kids just to move them. You know what I mean? Like there's been a rhyme, there's been a reason and, 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 and the kid may not always see it, but we think it's for the best for the team. So I think sometimes that's the easiest ones are when you say to the kid, like, Hey, what do you think about this? Like, yeah, I'd love to do it. Okay, great. And then you get something <laughs> kind of him and haw, and then you're like, okay, well, I don't know how this is going to go. And then they have a little success and then they forget it ever happened. Well, you mentioned, you know, the kids that don't have it, uh, you know, being smart about not throwing them to the wolves, uh, you know, kind of gracing them along. We had a guy when I was playing at Houston that, um, you know, I think ended up being a first round uh, guy in the secondary in the NFL. And uh, the story goes, I don't, I didn't know anything about defense, but story goes uh, that, you know, they had to play him as the, the bench corner. And so he had to be the corner that was closest to our bench, wherever it was. We didn't have field or boundary. He was just close to the bench. So a coach could stand right next to him and tell him exactly what he was doing. But um, he was such a great athlete that they kind of changed everything to put him over there so they could find a way to, to help him, you know, mentally grasp everything and then let his, his freak, you know, natural ability uh, and hard work, I would assume as well, uh, kind of go to work. I think that's, to be honest, that's kind of like why one of the, the, the things that makes you feel satisfied as a coach when you can do that, you know, you get this guy that maybe was struggling mentally and you find a way to get him on the field and be productive. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I think, yeah, I, I see the same thing happen on offense and, and it's kind of something that me and coach walls have, have had a lot of really good coaches come on here and talk to us about. And um, you know, and then obviously also with watching this new bulls documentary that came out and, you know, they've got really good athletes, but it's also a little bit about, you know, that coach being able to manage those kids, get them and put them in a good situation um, and, and allow them to actually be out on the, the field or out on the court, actually, you know, doing, you know, being able to play with their athletic ability comes down to, uh, you know, a game comes down to letting those, those really good players be out there and putting them in a good situation. And I think, especially in today's age, is there's so, like, everybody learns a little bit different. So, like, I try to, as much as I can, obviously, virtually, it's been a little bit harder. But when we're in, when we're in meetings, you know, on campus and things, like, I'm, I'm personally, I'm a visual guy. Like, I'm, I'm going to draw it up. Like, I want to see it. I want to have the pen and, like, go through things, you know, if I'm trying to, you know, make up a new blitz, you know, whatever, stop this particular play. Like, I'm going to draw it on the board and do a bunch of different things. So in my meetings, I try to do the same thing. You know, I try to show them, show them the install pages. Um, you know, I, I make, you know, PowerPoints and put the animations on there. So receivers are going to be motioning and then how we're going to handle that. Instead of me just always being on the board drawing, like maybe that visual thing catches their attention better. And then, you know, now we got plenty of time for walkthroughs and watching game film and doing different things. So I think, part of it is finding how to how each kid learns and and trying to you know within the whole group kind of touch everybody without anybody falling asleep or getting bored on on what you're saying but kind of keep everybody involved and and make it interactive and and make them be a part of it and you know one thing I've always kind of done probably because our D-line coach in college he did this to us um, was at the end of the meeting like put them on the board like okay here here's this formation draw up this and, and put them on the spot, put them in front of everybody. Because reality is it's not that much pressure. Like the pressure is going to be when it's going full speed the first time in, in, in a practice, in a scrimmage. And then, you know, if you can handle that, well, then I hope you can handle the game because we want to make the practice a lot harder. But just try and find 
trying to find different ways to reach these guys because every one of them is a little bit different. All right. So coach, you know, we talk about practice, we break things up into, you know, smaller pieces, smaller groups. So you being the safeties guy, I got to ask you a couple of questions. So number one, we're in inside run. Do the safeties go to inside run? Absolutely. Okay. And then number two, what's your thought of seven on seven? Are you a seven on seven guy? Are you a half line pass guy? Do you think there's, you know, good attributes for both you know what are some kind of your favorite drills to maybe break up the the pass game to teach your safeties um so i I think there's merit in both the full seven on seven and the half half line uh passing stuff and to be honest with you like when we're teaching during our individual period we will do half line so um and it's against ourselves a lot of times but I, i just feel like it's so important because of how we play certain coverages and the communication that has to happen post-snap, pre-snap, that we get those guys that are on the same side working together. So we'll do that stuff in our individual period um, at the end, right before we go into our, you know, our our seven-on-seven versus the offense or our inside run and that kind of stuff. So I try to look at practice in terms of, okay, so we had our meeting. That's a, that's a learning environment. I'm the teacher. You're the student. Okay. Then we go to individual. Again, that's just a further, uh, it's an outside learning environment. Like we're still teaching and trying to, you know, get you to the fundamental things right. And then we'll build up to the end of that as close to game simulation reps as we can. So that way it rolls right into, you know, live simulation reps versus the offense or what, what have you. So um, I, I do think there's, there's merit in both of those. And the reason sometimes I like uh, seven on seven, maybe a little bit better in certain situations than half line is based on the routes we're seeing for the week. You know, some teams run full field concepts, some teams run half field concepts. So I think that plays a, a part into it as well. And then other times they just need to see where everybody else is. You know, I think a lot of times these, these, these players like, well, well, who's got that? Well, you don't need to worry about it. Like that, that's your first answer. But at the same time, like if they see it, then maybe it makes sense. Like, Oh, I have this because this other guy has that. So I, you know, that's no longer my concern. So those are, and I even try to do that stuff in individual is just, you know, I think one thing for DBs is you, you can run them to death and backpedal them to death and all that stuff is I try to make it, um, it, put them in as many game-like scenarios versus whoever it is. So if it's a safety, all right, they're going to relate to number two, nine times out of 10. How can I make the rep that guy's taking, like cut the running out on them, but also make it, realistic in terms of the route the break the speed and all that stuff so I've tried to to continue to develop ways to run my drills where they evolve into essentially one-on-one matchups where they have to be as close to game speed as possible but I'm, I'm cutting down the running on the guy that's giving them the look if that makes any sense yeah, that, that, that's so that's so interesting that you that you put it that way. Um, that was when I first came in as an offensive line coach. Um, I played offensive line, and so I, I kind of put everything of how I taught it um, almost as like I saw it as an offensive lineman. And so uh, I, you know, I could see everything. I saw the whole front, and I realized how the whole play worked. And so I could by just going up there see okay he has them he has him that's got to mean I'm going to this guy uh, and so then I come to high school and, and I teach it like that and half our kids had no idea what was going on 
And then I had to figure out, okay, there's got to be rules. And so some of our kids, while I want to teach the overarching to everybody, also there's some kids that just have to know what the rule is. So now I've got to put in rules that, okay, this kid is only going to go by rules. And he knows that by his rules, this is who he's going to. And then this kid over at left tackle, he can see the whole thing. And so the rules are still there, but for him, it makes more sense to know the whole thing. Uh, And so then it was kind of through that process that I had to kind of find out or figure out that I had to have a lot of different um, ways to get it across to my kids, you know, maybe three different ways or some that really, you know, like it by uh, even or odd and knowing that there's going to be a certain amount of guys front side that they're going to go to. So maybe three or four different ways you have to teach the same exact run scheme um, just so all of your guys, it makes sense to each of them individually and it still works. No doubt. Coach, when you guys are doing, you know, your uh, your half-line stuff, your half-line pass, you know, uh, do you guys have a, a certain kind of you know, lingo that you guys do? Do you try to kind of match up, you know, when you're calling the route, you know, what Dayton calls it, or do you kind of have your own system like, you know, hey, smash is smash, four verts is four verts. You guys kind of code word that up. You know, uh, how, do you, how do you get guys kind of, you know, at least speaking the same language on the different combinations you see? So I, I try to in, in the meetings and things when I when I refer to a route, I I try to say it how I say it and how me and the other coaches talk about it so that the kids start picking up on it. And then last week in one of our, our Zoom position meetings, we actually set up um the I pulled up the the we had the template set up of hey, this is what we call this route concept. And then we we played that concept from one of our games last year and went through like, all right, we're in quarters. What are we doing here? All right, we're in three. What are we doing here? Okay, next one. So I don't necessarily use the Dayton lingo because to be completely honest with you, like last year, our offensive coordinator, he, he's a, he was a very, 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 very intelligent guy. And they had so many words and things that I was like, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to spend time trying to figure out what they call it. I'm just going to call it what I've always called it. So, um, <laughs> And, you know, now he's with the Raiders, so obviously he's smart. So um, we, we, we have our kind of our own terminology, and I think some things are universal. Like we call smash, smash. I mean, that's what everybody – well, that's what typically people – like even the high school yeah. kids come up, they know what smash is. So some of those generic ones, we keep it generic, and then other ones we'll call it. And then, like in a game week, maybe a team's running one that um, is a different concept. Like we'll, I'll give it a name. And tell the kids, like, hey, this is what I'm calling Kentucky, okay? This is Kentucky. So when you guys hear me say Kentucky, like, you should know what this route concept is. So then by the time we get to game day, like, hey, guys, they're running Kentucky. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I saw that, this guy, da, 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 whatever. So then they can kind of regurgitate things to you on the sideline. So, you know, we, I have been places, too, where we've kind of, we've kind of uh, tweaked with calling it somewhat like the offense does. Um, but I think there's there's merit to everything, but I think it's just, you know, what are you comfortable with? Like, I don't want to have to spend time on my own to learn what our offense is calling their stuff because as long as I know what I want to call it and the defensive kids know what I'm calling it, then I think as long as we're on the same page, we're all good. So I think there's a, you know, you can get into a mm-hmm. – um, you can spend more time on it than you need to. Um, or if you've just been around each other so long, like at Wingate, like we knew what their routes are called and we did call some of the stuff the same thing the offense did just because it was easy. So when the scout kids came down and we didn't want to drop every single car, we'd go, hey, guys, run Volvo. And they would run Volvo. You know what I mean? Like things mm-hmm. like that can help. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I've always thought it would be, it's an awesome thing to be able to do that, especially at high school. But uh, as much as, as the job makes people move around and, and, you know, at the college level, it's almost uh, impossible. It, it seems like you're not going to have the same OC and DC at the same school for more than more than two years, at least from the experience that I've seen. So that makes it really difficult because then you're just changing it the very next year. Yep. Yeah. So coach, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, the teams that I think that do a really good job, not really good job, but is interesting, you know, is obviously you've got to, you've got to take your kids that are on the scout team or your kids that are, are second string guys, and you've got to develop those to have, you know, I would assume really good programs at the college level. Um, how do you guys set up? Um, how do you guys set up your scout teams as far as coaches, uh, where they're going with your scout team? Um, you know, like your threes or your twos and threes that go scout team. What is your scout team? Is it your threes? Is it your twos and threes? Is it developmental? What does that look like? Who's over there with those guys, with the offense? Um, How does that work for you guys? So we, we actually, um, we, we typically, we'll, we'll, we'll keep uh, the two deep up with the, with the defense. So like when we split during the season and go, you know, team offense, team defense, we keep the ones and twos up with us. And then if there's a guy kind of on the borderline, like maybe he's kind of battling with another guy, he may stay up, but then everybody else goes down um, to the offense. And there's nobody that actually travels down there with those guys. Um, the offensive guys will have someone down there with, with their cards and things like that. And, you know, they, they do try to use a little bit of our lingo because I think sometimes defensive lingo is a little bit easier. Like you can say, hey, it's over, mm-hmm. or hey, it's this, or, you know, hey, you're playing quarters, or hey, you're playing three. So um, they don't have anybody that travels with them. And then offensively, I mean, you guys know this, every week we're seeing some different type of offense that mm-hmm. we don't have enough coaches either to where we can afford to, to send somebody down just for the, the scouts per se. So we actually try to um, roll – um like our our nickel coach will will do the cards for the scout team offense one day like he'll run them um and then another day we'll have one of our other uh, uh guys do it so so nobody's ever just over there the entire time and two it kind of keeps it a little bit lively for those those scout guys because they need to hear a different voice um every now and again just to kind of you know keep the keep the troops alive so um you know for for us it it, it really is just you know servicing like getting the most out of them you can down there. And one thing I think we probably do pretty well, and we, we actually did this at Washington State too, though, is we will have a scout team meeting. So ours here at Dayton will be right before practice. Like our head, the head coach actually gets the scout team offense together, and he'll literally go through the cards with them. So if there's a, you know, a special motion or, you know, a trick play in there, which we usually say for Thursdays. But what if there's something that's a little bit different or something like, hey, they do exactly like this. We need to make sure they run this right because it's going to affect the read of the safety or it's going to affect the read of the linebacker or what have you. Like we try to go through those cards before we ever get to that period so it's not, you know, wasting time in the huddle trying to, you know, give a dissertation on this particular motion or, you know, getting the quarterback, hey, motion him here and then he's going to motion back and then the back's going to hop and do all this, like try to cut out as, as much wasted time as possible by having a little meeting and showing those guys the cards well before they actually get to that period. I love that idea. I mean, that's, that would be, um, it's tough. I, I think you could, but you could make time at high school to do it, but it would, it would just expedite so much. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we run into is whenever we do have a, 
really long discussion back there. Number one, I always feel like the defense knows that it's going to be some kind of a big motion or, um, you know, a trick play or some kind of op, some, something weird. And uh, there's only so many that you put in a week. So I always feel like the defense is tipped off before the play even goes, where if we would have talked about this before getting out there, it would have been a lot simpler. It would have been a lot easier um, to, to be able to show your, your scout kids so they can go out there and they can run it. And then, like you said, I think it's really important for an offensive coach that's going to run a scout defense, uh, especially if you're like a tempo offense, you almost have to be able to know all the defensive calls or the ones that you need, or you've at least got to make up your own because there's just almost no time if you're going to be a tempo offense to be able to show cards and get the defense where you want them and, and to be able to go at the tempo that you want. Oh, no question. And I think, you know, some of those tempo teams, I mean, it's really, you know, even during a game, like, okay, hey, what really you're just going to focus on their base stuff, I would imagine. So, you know, hey, they're going to be over. So, you know, the defense kind of knows ahead of time, the scout team defense, like, hey, we're going to be over and then we're going to go to the, you know what I mean? Just kind of give them buzzwords so they can get lined up and get and get going. So you're not, you know, just again, you're not wasting reps because they're just standing around like with their hands in the air because they don't know what's going on. Coach, you talked about, you know, teaching philosophy and the way you teach things. So, again, you know, kind of going back to, you know, when you're, when you're teaching versus different route concepts, is that something, say, you know, you're teaching, you know, hey, they're running two-man smash. You know, are you going to show them how you guys would match that in quarters and then you're going to run the same thing and show them how you'd match it in, in you know, cover three, show them how you'd match it in, in a different man? I mean, do you stay on one concept or is that one of those things where you'll say, hey, we're just going to stay in quarters? and we're going to run a bunch of different concepts at you. All right, now we're going to go to, you know, cover three and run a bunch of concepts for you. How do you kind of teach, you know, those things? Well, I think, you know, during during uh, fall camp, we, it's going to be whatever coverage we have in that day. So we're going to base it off of that and just kind of keep rehearsing, 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 rehearsing. And then once we have everything in, then I think you go back and start saying, okay, now we're going to show them, hey, here, here's the five concepts we're going to run in our half line today. Just run every one. You know, we'll go through it we're in quarters versus all, and then three versus all, and then cover two, and then, you know, whatever, cover one, whatever, so that you can get them all taught versus the different coverages after you have them all installed, because that's when they need to be able to be flexible in terms of, hey, we can call whatever we want here. Like, I don't know in practice if we're going against the offense. I don't know what they're running or when they're running it. I'm not, I'm not scouting them. I have no game plan for them. We're going to call our stuff, but we need to be able to, to – uh, play these routes no matter what coverage we're playing so I think during the spring and after you have installed your your base coverages I think then you can go back and do it now one thing during the game week um, in our our, our uh, scale period we what I try to do is on Tuesdays it's all their base two by two and three by ones and I do try to do those based off of okay hey I got a I got a pretty good feel of, of, of what coverages we're going to run this week. So, Hey, let's run, let's run three or four concepts and then go back and run them against a different call that we're going to call in the game. So that by the time we get to team, they've already, they've already run through the, the passing stuff, their base stuff a couple times out of a couple different coverages that, that I like that I think could be, be effective. And I think like right now, especially during this, this period where it's all, you know, virtual meetings, we, we've taken time to actually do that. So, you know, we'll pull up a game clip. Like, okay, it's two by two here. All right, we're going to play quarters. What are the calls? Okay, bang, bang, bang. Okay, here's what the corner 
could do better. Here's what safety could do better. Okay, now let's rewind it. Hey, now we're in cover three. So now what are we doing? So I think when you have time like this, like I felt like as, as bad as this whole uh, the world being shut down stinks, I felt like we've had a lot more time to teach and to to kind of make sure that things are sticking with these guys. And at least in, in my meetings, maybe I'm a little naive, but um, I feel like it, it has paid dividends because I've had time, more time to do that. And I'm not rushed to, you know, get through all the practice clips and then try to install or, Hey, we had to spend yesterday install and now we got to go to the practice clips and then we got to go out to practice. Like there, there really is no rush right now. So I think we've had more time to do those things you're talking about and hopefully it's it's making sense and then we can kind of roll through that in the fall and like I said once you have stuff in I think that's that's a good way to just continue to rehearse it because at the end of the day until we start game planning somebody we're not going to change how we play our quarters we're not going to change how we play our cover three like let's let's just get as good as we can in our base stuff versus base routes that everybody in America is going to run and that way we're prepared and we have some sort of foundation as we get into the season well, Coach, uh, it's been – you know, we've had a blast um, and, and it's been a great hour. But before we cut you loose, kind of the question that I always like to ask guys, um, and, and it's always fun to hear defensive guys, you know, kind of what, what they think. But when, when you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? Hmm. Well, I think first and foremost is, you know – how how hard they play like you know you see some of these o lines and like man they are they're they are tiptoeing that line between being just really aggressive and being dirty like that's when you're like man that whoever's in that room with those guys has got them they're 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 buying what he's selling because every play they're just constantly trying to find somebody until the whistle blows so i think that's one uh one thing that that i notice is like if a, if a o line is just you know, for four quarters, just getting after people and just being relentless. I think that's something that, that really sticks out to me. And I, and I think it's, it, it, you can create that and spin it to a challenge for the defensive kids. So I think that's always good. And then other times I think too is, is, is when you see guys run different line stunts in the, in the past game. So, you know, twists and things like that, like how, how well they're able to, you know, keep their head out of things and pass things off. So, then you know that they they've worked that stuff that you know they're they're prepared and those kinds of things. So I think those are the two biggest that I notice is just nasty guys that go to the whistle and and, and really you know toe that line, and then guys that are, are really good at at passing things off and and using their eyes and keeping their head on a swivel and those kinds of things. And they're not just giving up free you know free runners on a twist game because they act like they've never seen it before. You know what I mean? those are those are things that stick out to me. Coach Matt, it's been an absolute blast. You know, appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to watch the draft here, you know, for the next couple of days uh, and hopefully, you know, see one of your guys' flyers get called. You know, I, I got to, a chance to work with the, the Troutman brothers a couple of times up in uh, Traverse City. So I'm excited to see if, uh, if the older one gets drafted here as a tight end in the next couple of days. Yeah, no doubt. We're, we're excited too. It, it stinks because uh, he was going to have a draft party uh, on campus, there's this place called Tim's right there on Brown Street. And he was oh. gonna have a draft party, and obviously <laughs> they got uh, shut down. But you know, that kid, man, he'll 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 he's he's special, and he'll do some great things. And uh, I can't believe we were only here for an hour. It felt like ten minutes. <laughs> right? I did. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to do it again, then, Coach. It was a blast. No doubt. I appreciate it, guys. It's awesome. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.